Good morning. Today is June 15th, and this is patient 6582 on her third day post-procedure. Alex, are you there? I'm here. I had one. A memory. That's fantastic. Can you describe it for me? I saw my mother's Volkswagen and the friends she was traveling with. I heard their music playing. They were listening to this indie rock song I've heard before. I could feel the breeze on my face. Well, her face. And was Cassie able to recall the same scene and corroborate the details? Yeah. She was thrilled. But, well, there was one thing that was different. I saw a man holding her hand. But she insists he wasn't there. Hmm. Interesting. Can you describe this man? Well, I couldn't quite make out his face. But the way he was looking at Cassie, I could feel his love. It makes me wonder if it was my father. Cassie never talks about him. And she said he wasn't on the road trip, but... Cassie never talks about your father? How does that make you feel? I mean, frustrated. Wouldn't you want to know who your father was, even if he was a terrible person? What makes you think he was terrible? Just the way Cassie acts. She's always super suspicious of men. I think she went through something bad. Something related to my father. Or maybe something about how they split up. You mentioned this last time too, your fear of experiencing something negative in Cassie's memories. Do you think that may simply be an anxiety response? Um, possibly. I never thought of it that way. Could that be why our memories didn't match exactly? There are a number of explanations. Memory isn't as simple as we like to believe. It's been some time since Cassie's road trip. She may have forgotten the finer details. So, what I'm seeing now is the true version? Or... It's not as simple as true or false. There are layers to memory. Some aspects you're perceiving may be closer to the truth, or vice versa. Huh. That reminds me of game design. You have to create slightly different versions of the events based on the choices characters can make. That way, each player uncovers their own version of the final story. That's a great analogy, Alex. I'd think of it like that, yes. But please tell me any time your memories diverge. For the study, we need to know how closely your experiences match your mother's. I understand. Wonderful. Now, today I want to try something a little different. I'm going to give you a prompt. It's a reference your mother gave me during her memory extraction. She was unconscious when she gave me these prompts, so she may not recall what memories are attached or why she brought them up, but I'm trusting her subconscious insights. Performing the first prompt might awaken an additional memory for you and may bring up fresh emotions for Cassie as well. That's good, right? For her healing? Yes, very good. That's why I want you to dive in. So the prompt is Shavasana. Shavasana? Cassie hates yoga. Like I said, it's usually not the word itself that will prompt the memory, but an image or action related to the word. Try to take a yoga class. See what it unlocks. Okay. But, um, Dr. Novick? Yes? Never mind. Will do. Talk to you tomorrow. Realm presents 
Memory Lane Season 1, Episode 3. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to take a second to tell you about a podcast I think you'll really like, Mayday. No one is prepared for disaster. No one knows exactly how they'll react in a plane crash, an earthquake, or when a lone gunman decides to open fire. On May Day, you'll hear about the people who had to find out, people whose stories deserve to be heard. Join hosts Maya Nalani and Luke Welland as they tell you about extraordinary people who found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. Listen to May Day wherever you get your podcasts. Eureka Redwood Coast Cabins, California, June 15. It's late morning. The sun is just heating up. The dew has burned off, and I'm sitting on a lawn chair outside our van, staring across the campsite at the bathroom facility about 500 yards away, where Cassie has spent the past 45 minutes. I'm considering checking if she's still alive in there. I'm pretty sure the hangover hit her hard. She slept straight through her check-in with Dr. Novick. Finally, when I got sick of listening to her alarm on repeat... I nudged her to ask if she was all right, and she bolted upright, gasping. She claimed she was having a bad dream, but she looked wrecked. Besides, I've never known Cassie to act like that. Normally, I'm the one who's easily startled. My mind flits to yesterday's memory. I'm excited that the procedure is working, but I'm uneasy too. I still can't shake the feeling that I'm missing something some key to explain why my memory differs from Cassie's. I was there. I was right in the heat of the moment, and the man beside me, the man beside my mother, he felt so real. I don't think I imagined him. I don't think I'm misremembering either. Could Cassie be lying then? But why? Why pretend she broke up with my father if he really did go on the trip with her? And why share these memories with me if she doesn't want me to know him? She's always been adamant she doesn't want him in our lives, so it seems unlikely she would have allowed me to accidentally stumble across him like this. Unless she really did forget he was there? That's what Dr. Novick thinks. But my father's presence doesn't seem like some minor detail she'd miss. Maybe he just stopped by briefly, mid-trip. Maybe he came to see her off when she initially left, and the memories are jumbled in her mind. Or maybe it's just one of the farmer boys. Or some other passing fancy, a hitchhiker they picked up. He could be anyone, I suppose. Still, now I know this procedure works. And Dr. Novick's fresh prompt rings in my ears. Shavasana. I can't wait to see what memories emerge. I'm almost tempted to lie down and try the pose right here. But I stop myself. I heave up and start toward the bathroom facility, eager to get a move on. 
The site has emptied out. Most people here last night have either packed up or ventured out on day trips to hike through the redwoods that surround us, tower over us. As I walk, I stare up at the canopy of trees. They're huge, ancient, and magnificent. I wonder how many generations of mothers and daughters they've witnessed, or how much drama they've seen unfold. And then, unbidden, Colin flashes through my head. I forcibly push him out. Don't think about it. Don't think about him. Just then, the door to the facility bangs open. Here's Cassie, finally, her hair piled up in a knot on top of her head, a towel slung over one arm. I wave, and she smiles back. Her grin is so loving and guileless, it makes my heart give a guilty lurch. If she knew what I did... I stride forward, shaking off my worry. We've got homework. Dr. Novik wants us to take a yoga class. Cassie's bright smile instantly vanishes. Why? I hate yoga. He said you gave him the word shavasana as a prompt. Sorry. But I'm not really sorry. I've always thought yoga could help Cassie. It would at least be better than the booze and pills she normally turns to whenever her anxiety acts up. Cassie looks baffled. Not sure why I'd say that. Not sure why he wouldn't let me consciously choose those words either, but he claims it's more efficient, so... If we leave now, we can probably <sighs> find a class on the other side of the Avenue of the Giants. Oh no. Cassie heaps her shower supplies onto her bunk. Mine, by contrast, are neatly organized in my suitcase. I am not going to yoga. All the touchy-feely stuff and the chanting. My god, <laughs> the chanting. You're the one who needs prompting. You can do this on your own. But you obviously did yoga on this trip, right? Why else would it be the prompt? Her silence speaks volumes. An admission she had tried it at least once. This journey is to help you too, remember? We need to do this together. Cassie sighs. <sighs> Fine. But no classes. I'm not bending over in someone's face. I'll do it at the next rest stop. Just you and me. We can pull up a YouTube video. She strides past me and climbs into the bus, leaving me to frown after her in confusion. Seriously? Is exercising that scary? Then again, maybe it's just her hangover. There are circles under her eyes. Her skin still gives off the faint scent of tequila and lime. Yet, true to her word, the next time we pull over at a rest stop, Cassie rummages around the back of the bus until she unearths my travel yoga mat and a moth-worn blanket for herself. It's one of the more scenic stops we've hit so far, with cute little wooden cabins nestled under a soaring patch of shady redwood trees, early afternoon mist curling around their treetops in the far distance. Use the real mat, I try to insist. She's a beginner, after all. We trudge along the short hiking path behind the bathrooms, looking for a clearing to ourselves. I'll be fine. We reach a patch of dirt that Cassie deems far enough from the prying eyes of other hikers. She's normally not the self-conscious type, not by a long shot. But I don't say anything, wary of starting another fight. While she lays out her blanket, 
I search for a beginner yoga class on YouTube that includes Shavasana pose at the end. As we lie down, my stomach nods. Will I experience another memory? I'm curious, but I'm also nervous. What if our memories differ again? What if that means something went wrong with the study? Or in one of our minds? I push the worries aside. Dr. Novik didn't seem concerned about the divergence. He just told me to mention if it happened again. Let's get this over with. Got it! I prop my phone against a nearby route, and together we get into position for the first pose. The instructor starts off slow, but before long we're doing a full-on workout. I'm struggling to hold some poses. Between my thesis and finals last semester, I barely had time to keep up the practice. But then I peek over at Cassie, and I'm floored. She's moving like someone who's been practicing this her whole life. Shifting straight through every pose with perfect form. And her eyes closed. She's not even watching the instructor. I gape at her, but she doesn't seem to notice. She's lost in her own world. It's not until we sink into the final pose, Shavasana, that I finally work up the courage to call her out. You're such a liar. I lie on my back and gaze at the canopy. It's so thick I can't even see a single shred of sky, although sunlight still filters through it, green and grainy. All this time, you've been a yoga savant. She doesn't reply. When I glance over, Cassie's on her feet, the blanket bunched in her hands. There's a scowl on her face. Cassie? I sit up. What is it? That's not funny. What? Why? You're amazing at this. I start to follow her as she walks away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. How did you learn yoga? You must have practiced for a long time. You even knew how to do that reverse push-up thing and everything. I don't want to talk about it. She's walking faster now, leaves and branches snapping under her feet. I stop short, falling behind. It's just yoga. She seemed to enjoy it when she was doing it. Why is she acting so weird? Dr. Novik said she didn't consciously choose this memory to share, and that it might bring up fresh emotions for her. I guess fleeing the scene qualifies. Then again, I'm one to talk. There are certain memories I flee from, too. I place my hands over my eyes. My mind is still wide open from yoga, and it's harder than normal to fend off painful visions. Not Cassie's this time, but my own. The dimly lit bar. Colin in his Nirvana t-shirt. The way his whole face lit up when he said Cassie's name. Cassandra. And when I told him I was her daughter, his smile turned surprised, then widened. I said I'd buy him a drink. I wanted to hear more about her, 
He said he wouldn't be able to tell me too much. It had been a long time. But anything was valuable. She's not the sort of woman you forget easily. He gave a sad smile. He knocked back the first drink I gave him, then asked me to buy him another. So I did. Another and another. Pushing and pushing and pushing when I should have walked away. But I thought I was onto something. I thought I picked up a signal in his expression, an old lost love. I thought I'd found him. If only it were that easy. A hard knot settles in my stomach. I fish my stem out of my pocket, hurriedly key in my sequence, and sigh as the dopamine trickles into my veins. But the moment is short-lived. Seconds later, I hear a voice, close enough to stir the hairs on the nape of my neck. At first, I think it's Colin, but it's not. It's someone else. I need to tell you something, Cassie, about her. My eyes pop open. My heart hammers in my eardrums. There's nobody behind me. Nobody on the nearby trail or visible between the gaps in the trees. For a moment, I hesitate, not sure if I'm in a memory or not. But my hands, when I glance down, are my own. Hello? The redwoods swallow my voice. I blink a few times, rubbing at my eyes. No more memories spring up. Not like the last one I experienced, anyway. There's no flood of music or bright sunshine. I'm not suddenly transported into another place in time. But that voice... I need to tell you something, Cassie. About her. My first assumption would be that this is just deja vu. Something from my past, or part of a dream. But the man had said Cassie. This was someone talking to her, not me. Another memory. I shake my head, uncomfortable, as I jog back through the sun-dappled forest. My skin crawls. I pause every few steps and whip around to check behind me. I can't shake the feeling that I'm being followed. Maybe there's someone else here, watching me, watching us. I pick up my pace, moving faster and faster. By the time the parking lot finally appears, I'm practically sprinting. I race out of the forest so fast I don't see Cassie, sitting on the curb near the water fountain, until I almost trip over her. Whoa, where's the fire? She jumps to her feet, but after one glimpse of my face, she shifts into one of her rarer modes. Mother. Alex, what happened? She reaches out to take my arms, glancing behind me at the same time, her brow knit. Did you see something back there? Does she sense it too? I... My heart continues to race. But now that I'm standing next to Cassie again, next to our green van and the stinky bathroom facility, I feel embarrassed. Stop being ridiculous, Alex. I just got spooked. It's nothing. She's looking at me curiously. Like she understands. Take a deep breath. Was it a memory? I breathe in deep through my nose, out through my mouth. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I didn't see anything this time. Just this voice. 
some guy saying he had to tell you something about her. But I don't know who her is or even who he was. Honey, you're hyperventilating. <sighs> Sit down. I obey my mother and sink onto the curb. <sighs> Do you remember? Who was this guy? I feel like it was the same guy I saw in my first memory. Cassie shakes her head. Like I said before, there was just Nina and her husband and their daughter. No guy. I swear. You're lying! I glare. But the force of it is somewhat negated by the fact that I'm crouched on the ground with my arms wrapped around my knees, hugging them to my chest. I feel like an angry toddler. I saw him. There was a young man with you, holding your hand. He had dark hair, kind eyes, and... There was no other man with us. I don't know why you refuse to believe me. Because we never talk about him! Tears sting at the backs of my eyes, sudden and sharp. I grit my teeth to hold them in. We never talk about my father. I get that you don't want to. I know something happened, but I need to know. Please. She watches me, silent, unmoved. But then... Just when I think she's going to ignore the question like she always does, pretend I never said a word. She says, He broke my heart. Is that what you want to hear? For a long, quiet moment, we just look at one another. Eventually, Cassie bows her head. Your father was a close friend after I left high school. He always had other girls' flings, but I thought maybe it... She shakes her head. I'd left home, and he helped me out. Looked out for me, found somewhere for me to stay. Rescued me, really. He was my knight in shining armor. And I thought, this is it. He's the one. Until he showed his true colors. She balls her fists. He wasn't a good person. Because he slept around? Because he hurt me. Hurt you how? I thought he was a good friend. She shakes her head. I don't want to talk about this. Talking won't change the past. It won't fix anything. She breaks off and turns away, her jaw taut. I stare at her, waiting, praying she'll tell me more, give me answers. But then, suddenly, the scene in my mind shifts once more. I'm not sitting on the ground anymore. I'm in my mother's body on a path deep in the woods, maybe passing these same redwoods I just ran through. She's running too, ducking between the trees, one hand extended to grasp the trunks as I swing by. When I glance down, I see she's dressed in a faded blue baby t-shirt and low-waisted shorts from a bygone era. Cassandra? Cassandra? She doesn't turn. Something keeps her moving. Something doesn't want her to stop. Then, a little girl bursts from behind a tree. She's maybe five or six years old, with light brown skin and tight braids. The same girl I saw in the bus outside Mama Maria's, I think. But her features are blurry, just like the man's. Found you! She reaches for Cassie. Cassie drops to her knees. You did! <laughs> Good job, Peaches! It's not my voice I hear when I speak, but my mother's. The girl wraps both arms tight around Cassie's middle. She must know Cassie well. Cassie holds her tight, 
before I hear footsteps approaching. Cassie looks up and smiles. My blood starts to pump. It's the man from before. Looking from him to the child, I wonder if Cassie was right after all. Maybe it is just the little girl's father I'm seeing. He's white, with dark hair. He's got a tight goatee. I can't make out his features. His hands are clear as day, however, when he reaches out to take the girl from Cassie's arms. They're large, strong, a little veiny. Are you sure you're okay with going? Cassie moves closer to him, rests a hand on his shoulder. As long as we're together, we'll be fine. You're staying with us, aren't you? The little girl twists around in his arms to reach for Cassie again. With me and mommy and daddy? So he's not the father. A spike runs through me. This is like coming into a movie halfway through and trying to figure out the plot. Of course we are. We're all going together, right, honey? She looks at the man. Honey. He steps closer, bends down to drop a kiss on Cassie's head. <laughs> Whatever the lady wants. He pulls back far enough to meet my gaze. Only his eyes are visible. Stark gray, like storm clouds. Not Colin's eyes, I think with a pang. I knew this intellectually, but somehow, despite everything, I'd still hoped. Peaches? Another man calls. But before I can see him, the laughter, the sunlight, the shouts all fade into the background, and I'm back on the ground of the parking lot, breathless, stunned. I don't understand. Not any of this. Not who the man was or what he was doing with Cassie. I press my hands to both sides of my skull, grimacing. She seemed so affectionate with a little girl, too. Suddenly I feel a flash of something akin to jealousy. Was she ever that affectionate with me? We never went on trips when I was that age. Alex? Cassie's standing over me now, a hand on her hip. She looks worried. Intense. But why would she be? They're her memories. Her trip that she wanted to share with me. Did you see something else? I nod. You and a little girl, playing in the woods. That girl on the trip with you. The cloud over her expression clears. Peaches. She smiles, a little dreamy now. Yes, we were at a rest stop. She wanted to go exploring. Her parents let me watch her for the afternoon, so we played hide-and-seek. It... Her hand drifts to her stomach. That was the first time it really hit me that soon I'd have a child of my own. I was all nerves up until then, afraid of everything that could go wrong. But playing with her, I realized... It would be exciting, too. I soften a little, regretting my envy. It's not her fault. She was a young single mother with me. We didn't have time to go on forest adventures when I was Peach's age. She had to work to support us. I stand up and hold out my arms. For a moment, Cassie stares, bewildered. 
But then she steps forward and wraps her arms around my middle, squeezes me tightly. I savor the hug. She won't be so affectionate in a few seconds. We break apart, and I brace myself. There's something else. I saw him again. The other man. He kissed you. Cassie's open, happy expression slams shut. We've been over this. I know, I know. But why do I keep seeing him? She crosses her arms. Are you sure it's not just wishful thinking? You want to see your father, so you're projecting. I hesitate. Dr. Novik's words come back to me. Memories aren't as simple as true or false. Could she be right? But he felt so real. How do you know it's not the other way around? You wanted to distance yourself from him because of how he broke your heart. So maybe you forgot he was on the trip with you. Maybe you purposefully tried to write him out of your happier memories. Cassie looks disgusted. I know my own mind. Well, you transferred part of your mind to me. I'm only telling you what I'm seeing. I follow her, my anger rising. Why did you share these memories if you didn't want me to see them? I do want you to see them. I want you to see the truth, not just whatever you want to see. Not for you to twist everything around into what you want. You think I'm doing this on purpose? We've reached the bus, but I have the keys. I block the door. I don't know. Are you? Cassie narrows her eyes. What possible reason would I have? Maybe because for once, this whole thing... She gestures around us. ...isn't in your control. Maybe because relaxing and going with the flow on this trip is impossible for you. So you have to figure out a way you can be in the driver's seat. You're tricking me into giving you enough information about your father so you can chase him down. That's what you do, isn't it? She cocks her head. Meet him? Even if it would break my heart? Even if it goes against what I want out of this trip? To get better. To try and figure out the root of my problems. I want you to get better too. Please don't think I'm working against that. And... I never said I had to meet my father. I reply, even though that's a lie. If I knew who he was, I absolutely would go. Even if he was terrible. Even if he was in prison or something. My curiosity is too great. Maybe my father would explain this dark streak in me. The vengeful side that comes out whenever... No! Don't go there! I deserve to know who he is. That's all. Well, we don't always get what we deserve. Cassie sticks out her palm. Give me the keys. I'm driving this stretch. I'll drive, I protest, but she catches my wrist and wrestles the keys away. You practically fainted in the parking lot just now. The last thing I want to risk is you doing that behind the wheel. With that, she clambers onto the bus, leaving me staring in her wake. I slide into the passenger side, but don't look over. Worried that if I do, she'll read my intentions on my face. She can drive for now. That's fine. But if she thinks I'm relinquishing control over this study, these memories, she's got another think coming. One way or another, I'm getting answers.
I will find out who that man is. Even if I have to break my brain to do it. You are listening to Memory Lane Season 1, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Memory Lane is written by Sarah Shepard and Ellen Goodlett. Produced by Rhoda Bayessa and Haley Wagreich, and executive produced by Molly Barton. Performed by Emily Wu Zeller, Leanne Marie Dobbs, Chris Shula, Elliot Schiff, Cherie Wichard, Tiana Camacho, and Kaylin West. Audio produced and directed by Amanda Rose Smith. Sound design and editing by Kaylin West. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Theme music composed by Amanda Rose Smith, with digital orchestration by Andrew Rowan and Max Kuttner. Music supervision by Amy Parker. Cover design by Kendall Thomas.